You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings and healings and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I'm God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody, let's sing. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let me, let me start this by giving you a little personal sharing, okay? You see, our daughter, Ellie, Ellie Elisha, we call her baby L, is now over a month old. You know, doctors say that although her vision is already improving, her eyesight is still very blurred. You know, she still can't tell what, what, what she sees. And all she can do is just hear her surroundings. And you know, one of the great joys that I have as a dad in this young period of her life while she still cannot see is that, you know, whenever she's wide awake, while she's quietly lying in her crib, observing this new and strange world that she's in, you know what I do? I quietly kneel down in front of her. And then I, 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 I lovingly put my, my mouth close to her ear. And then I abruptly whisper in my deepest voice. I say, <laughs> She then gives me this look of, of horror in her eyes. And of course, you know, she starts crying. <laughs> Although lately, you know, I, I, I think she's catching on to, to this tactic because she's slowly becoming unfazed little by little. But, you know, last Sunday, we had a major breakthrough. In the wee hours of the morning, while the whole world was fast asleep, my wife and I, along with many other new parents, we were on poop patrol, okay? Poop patrol, that's what we call it. And while well, Christelle was busy changing diapers, I was standing in front of Ellie, you know, pretending to be awake while my eyes were actually really on screensaver mode. I'm sure that some parents do that. Until I noticed something that completely slapped the grogginess out of me. Ellie was staring directly at me. And at first, I thought it was a coincidence, but you know, when I moved to the right, she followed. And then when I moved to the left, she also followed. And you know, it took, it took her a while to focus her eyes, but I realized, oh man, she could totally see me. I mean, hallelujah. The most joyful day of her life has finally come when she would finally get to see her handsome dada. <laughs> okay, correction. Maybe her delusional dada. But you know, truth be told, you know, when Ellie looks at me, she gives me this look, okay? Let me show you the picture. This is her poop face, okay? I swear, this is how she always looks at me. <laughs> Why am I sharing this? Yeah, yeah, simple fact, okay? You know, when you come into this world as an infant, all of us came into this world as an infant, our vision was impaired right? We couldn't see very well. You might, you might have been able to see a little blur here and there, a little shadow here and there, but you know, it's not very clear. Your vision is impaired. You know, you, 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 your focus is, is sluggish. In the same way, you know, baby Christians are like that. 
When you are new to your faith, for example, you have a hard time recognizing God's presence. You know, you're, you're not able to keep your focus on Him for a long time. How do you know when you are a spiritual baby? Simple. When you still act like a baby towards God. You know, you throw, throw tantrums whenever God doesn't answer your prayer. You walk away from God when you don't get what you want according to your expectations. But here's what happens. As you grow in faith, you realize that God is not a genie who makes your wishes come true. You realize that God is not a, a, a vending machine that cuffs up miracles whenever you need Him to. And then you begin to trust Him even in the no's and in the delays of life. See, that's a great sign of spiritual maturity when you are starting to allow God to take control of your life, when you start surrendering to Him. Okay, so with that, let me give you our big message for today. But I want to ask a favor from you. Could you preach this message emphatically to somebody beside you? Okay, if somebody is physically beside you, don't do it if nobody is beside you. Okay, that's strange. So if somebody is beside you, I want you to look that person square in the face and say this. Okay, here it is. God wants you to grow up. <laughs> Praise God, okay? But before we continue, let's pray. Let's pray. Bow down your heads and, and, and let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we thank you for the beautiful gift of life today. Thank you for waking up your son and your daughter to hear this fantastic and amazing message. We pray that you would open up, Lord, our hearts and our minds and remove whatever baggages, whatever blockages would be there that would prevent us from receiving this wonderful message. We pray, Lord, for a surge of spirit here in this place. Speak to us in a personal way over the situations that we go through day after day. Thank you, Jesus. Your name we pray. Amen. One more time, everybody, let's sing in honor of God's word. I know we haven't read God's word, but we're we're claiming in faith that God is going to speak to us. Let's sing, everybody. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Praise God. Whew. Anyway. I hope that you are excited for our message for today, all right? Based on our reading from Matthew that we're going to dig in right now, we're going to give you three powerful messages, okay? So please, take out your writing materials right now. Now's the time to take notes. First, let me give you our assigned reading as I promised, okay? We are in Matthew chapter 17. And just a quick recap. Last week, in case you weren't here, we talked about the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain, okay? So take note. The story that I'm about to read to you, this is happening just as Jesus was coming down the mountain, okay? I want you to turn to uh, verse 17, uh, so rather chapter 17, verse 14, and let's read. It says here, At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them, Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And then a man came and knelt before Jesus and said, verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son. He, he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. You know, as a parent, this is probably one of the worst things that you could ever experience. You know, when your child needs help, but you're powerless to do anything. How many parents can relate to that? Anyway, here's the first message, okay? Write this down. The church will fail you. But guess what? That's good. Huh? How is that good, Brother Audie? Okay, before you go ballistic on me, okay, let me explain first. The narrative here is that there was this dad, 
Okay, there was this father who wanted to help his boy who had been possessed by a demon. Okay, and like I said, I cannot think of anything worse than that. So the father, in his desperation, what does he do? He runs to the disciples for help. But verse 16 says this, they couldn't help him. The disciples had been casting out demons so successfully, but for some reason, they couldn't do it this time. See, sometimes that's the problem. When you become so successful in ministry, sometimes you forget the Holy Spirit is the one powering you up. So what happens is you begin to become reliant on your own power and your own ability. Never ever forget that as you do your mission, the Holy Spirit is the one powering you up, okay? Until one day, what happens to the this, this disciples is that they failed, okay? That's what will happen if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to work on you. One day you will fail. You will fall flat. That's exactly what happened, okay? So I can imagine how upset this father must have been when he found out that, not, that no one, not even the men of God, could, could heal his son. But you know what? What he did not know was that he only brought his son to the disciples. He didn't bring his son yet to Jesus because Jesus just got here. Let me ask you this. Is it possible that sometimes you think that you brought something to God, but you really just brought it to your LG facilitator. You only brought it to your church leader. You might have told a few people about your problem, but then when they couldn't help you, you assumed that God also couldn't help you. Let me say this to you. Don't consider it beaten until it's been brought to Jesus. Okay, somebody type this in, bring it to Jesus. Bring Jesus your pain. Bring Him your suffering. Bring what others call impossible to Jesus because He is your miracle worker, okay? This is why sometimes people have to fail you. Why? So that just like the Father, you will be forced to run to Jesus. When everybody has failed you, you will have no recourse but to go to God. See, don't ever expect from others what only God can give you. That's why you got to be careful. You know, when you turn people into idols, because then when they fail you, they will make you lose your faith, okay? Remember this, people might fail you, but God will never fail you. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, let's continue with the story, okay? This is very interesting. Because after Jesus finds out that the disciples failed to drive out the demon from the boy, Jesus actually responds this way, okay? Let's read together. In verse 17, Jesus says this, You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. You know, when you're reading the text as is, not because I read it that way, it, it, but naturally, it seems like Jesus was a little fed up with the disciples, doesn't it? If you read it as is, like you would a story, it seems that Jesus was a little irritated with his disciples. Why? Because they weren't able to successfully perform an exorcism. But is that really the reason why Jesus got mad at the disciples? We don't often see Jesus getting annoyed with people, most especially with the apostles. But here's the thing. This is why it's so important that as you read scripture, you always got to understand the context, okay? Get the context. And let me explain the context now to you, okay? And I'm going to explain this through a, a concept called design patterns. Design patterns. See, if you look closely enough as you read the Bible, you will find tons and tons of beautiful patterns. For example, something that might have happened in the Old Testament 
could be pointing to something beautiful happening in the New Testament. And if you're somebody like me who loves finding connections, you're going to love this point, okay? So I need you to listen up. Before Jesus gives this, this stern reaction to his disciples, remember that Jesus had recently transfigured in Mount Tabor, right? So what's the connection? Mount Tabor actually hyperlinks with Moses and his transfiguration in Mount Sinai. Okay, are you ready to receive the second lesson? Here it is. Stop trying to control God. Stop trying to control the Lord. Now, how is this connected with Moses? In order to give you the answer, we need to backtrack in the Bible all the way to the book of Exodus. So if you've got your physical Bible, turn to the first few pages of the Bible. Exodus chapter 32, verse 7. The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain, for your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, what did Moses do when he saw the evil that his his Israelite people were doing. uh, Go all the way to verse 19. It says, When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing. Here's a word. And he burned with anger. Now, are the patterns a little evident yet? If not, let me break it down for you, okay? First pattern. Both Jesus and Moses had a transfiguration up a mountain. Second pattern, both Moses and Jesus went down the mountain and saw evil taking over people's lives. And then here's the last pattern, okay? Third one, both Moses and Jesus became very angry at those who did not trust God. See, this explains now why Jesus responded the way that he did because Jesus was actually mirroring the anger of Moses to a faithless and corrupt generation that fell into idolatry. In this way, Matthew was also saying that Jesus is also the new Moses, by the way. So let me preach this loud and clear, okay? Moses had just barely left when the Israelites started worshiping another God. And in the same way, Jesus had just barely left when the other disciples started failing in their faith. Now, how does this relate to you? When God seems to be late in your life, Do you often find yourself resorting to other things? Like resorting to other people who you think might be able to help you just because God seems to not be able to help you? When God seems to be failing you, do you often question His goodness? And then do you often turn your back against Him? You see, this is what separates baby Christians from mature Christians. Baby Christians rely heavily on sight, just like baby Ellie. They rely on their senses. They cannot trust what their senses cannot perceive. That's why, you know what happens? They quickly turn away when they don't understand what's going on. But mature Christians are built differently. See, they are a completely different breed. They don't rely on sight because they see through the lens of faith. They don't back away from their belief just because, you know, they experience a bad day or a delay or a detour in life. You know what? They simply press on in spite of the challenges because they believe that God is in control. Now, which one are you? Or rather, which one would you like to be? Or or better yet, let me ask you this. Are you tired of living in shallow waters? 
like there's no real purpose in your life and it seems like you're just bouncing around wherever the wind takes you, what's the solution? Dive into the deep waters. Awaken your spirituality. Connect with your God. See, some of you have been living completely oblivious of God's sovereignty that you have never fully really experienced the ocean of God's love. Today, I believe that God wants to move you from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. How? Start trusting God if you have never done it. Start surrendering your life to Him. Start bowing down to His sovereignty. God wants you to grow up. Amen. Praise God for this message. If you are blessed by this message, just type in the chat box, I am blessed. Hallelujah. But the message is far from done, okay? This is actually just an appetizer, so to speak, to further on preach on this topic. I want you to give a warm welcome to none other, of course, than Brother Bo Sanchez. Hi, everybody. God bless you. This is Bo Sanchez. So happy that you have joined us at the feast. The feast is blessing so many people. Thousands of lives are being blessed all over the world. But I've been receiving some questions from people. And, and some, some people who, who join us at the feast, they say, Brother Bo, parang ang lalim ng talk sa feast where we open the Bible and we read it and you, wrote, you go really deep. Can, can, can we not go back to that more simple reading of Scripture where we just pick a verse that makes us feel good? Like Romans 8.28, all things will work for good to those who love God. Or, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Diba? Simple lang. Hindi naman tayo Bible scholars, brother Bo, where we have to look at the history and the culture and the original Hebrew. Brother Bo naman, we are not Bible scholars. And I smile and I say, yes, we are not Bible scholars were much more, were children of God. And our Father's words are in this book called the Bible. It's a very ancient book. So, we must need to read it according to how ancient people read it because we won't be able to get you know, 70, 80% of what, what the book is trying to say. If there's something that convinced me to read the Bible in this deeper way, it's this. Listen carefully. Jesus read his Bible in this way. He was a Jew. He read it as a Jew. And so when he read the Hebrew scriptures, he saw brilliant design patterns and thousands of hyperlinks that connected everything. And so the more you read it this way, the more you'll understand what your father is telling you right here, right now. And so what is the father telling you through our powerful Bible story today? Message three, growing more is trusting more. Friend, God wants you to grow. Can you put your hands over your chest and just say that with me? God wants me to grow. One more time. God wants me to grow. Let's stop being spiritual.
spiritual babies that throw tantrums when we don't get what we want from God. What is spiritual growth? So many people are confused. Some people think growing more means knowing more, more teaching, more doctrines, more talks, more wisdom. You know, that's great, but that's not the essence of spiritual growth. Ah, 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 I know, I know. Brother Bo, growing more means praying more. More devotions and more rosaries and more prayer meetings. All that is wonderful. But is that what growing more means in your spiritual life? Some people are, are, have this interpretation. Growing more is doing more. More service and more charity and more obedience. But you see in Matthew, as essential as all these are, it's not the core of growth. I want you to read the last part of our Bible story today. Matthew 17, 19 to 20, it says, Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? Jesus answered, You don't have enough faith. Do you know what faith is? Faith is a trusting relationship. Growing more is trusting more. Yes, God wants obedience. Don't get me wrong. God wants obedience. But there's something more basic than obedience. You know what it is? Can I shout this from the housetops? When we don't obey, it's because we don't trust. The first story in the Bible, the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve. Why did they disobey God? Because they did not trust Him. And that's why they took matters into their own hands. Let me share to you my personal story. You know, when I had COVID for more than a month, three times during that ordeal, I stared at death's door. And emotionally, I felt I could go anytime. I, I really told God, Lord, you know, I prefer if I will stay a little bit longer and enjoy my children and see them grow up even more and enjoy my beautiful wife, Lord, let me stay a little bit longer. But if you want me to go, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I surrendered my entire life to God. And I surrendered my loved ones, my kids, my wife. I surrendered all my attachments. I surrendered my fears, my worries. I surrendered my dreams, my plans, my achievements, my possessions. I surrendered everything. And when I did that, it was beautiful. It was like I, I let go of everything. And, and, and I was light. I was free. I was liberated. And I could only feel two things, love and peace. It was overwhelming peace. It was so beautiful that I nicknamed the place that I was in, the state that I was in, the spiritual and mental state that I was in. I, was, I called it the surrendered place. And it was amazing because when I was sick, I was so sick. I could not work. I could not write. I could not even read. And I could not even watch anything, like nothing, lying down 24 hours a day. Um, I could only do two things. I could, I could breathe, and I was trying to breathe as much as I can because I had labored breathing, um, you know, with an oxygen mask on my face and an IV on my, on my other arm. You know, it, it was like, you know, I, hey, I could go anytime. Um, but it was so beautiful to be in this surrendered place. 
And I didn't want to go. I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't want to get out of that surrendered place. I, I, just, I just loved it there. The peace, the overwhelming love that I felt. And I said, and, and one of the things that happened was that my, my hierarchy of values, it got inverted. In the surrendered place, everything that I thought was important before dropped like dust on my feet. Um, public opinion, what other people say about me, you know, I would be concerned about that. I would be bothered by criticism. All of that just disappeared. You know, when, when you know, when you think of, when, when you, I, w- I want you to think about if, if you know that you could, you could die five minutes from now, did, would, would all that matter? And, and the answer is no, you know what this person did to you and what this person said. That's just gone. Vanish. And then what was not very important before, because I was a workaholic and I, I would rush, rush, rush and do this and do that and have that plan and have that meeting. And, and, and in the surrendered place, what was not very important before, which is peace, all of a sudden became number one for me. I, I treasured that peace so much, that peace with God so much that I did not want to let go of that peace. And so what happened was I got, when I got better and I got healthier, I would slip back into my surrendered place through meditation and through prayer. And to this day, to this day, when I wake up in the morning, I'm excited because I'm going to go back to that surrendered place where I would surrender everything to God. What am I saying? I've been walking in the spiritual life for 42 years. That's a long time. I came to know Jesus when I was 12 years old, started preaching when I was 13. 42 years later, I'm here. And you'd think, you'd think, I would think that, okay, I'm spiritually mature now. What the spiritual maturity look like? You know, great knowledge and great... No, no. It's one thing, trusting more. That's what spiritual maturity looks like. It's, it's faith. It's trusting more, surrendering everything to God. You know, one of the most difficult things I had to surrender were my boys, were my sons, were my kids. I love them to bits. And, and I, would, I, would, I would love, I love them so much. And sometimes in my love for them, I, I, I would imagine that I have more control over the lives than I, than I really had. Parents, you understand what I'm talking about, right? No, we don't have control. We, we don't. Zero control. No, we don't. We have a little control. We, when they're kids, when they're tiny. But when they grow up and when they're older, I have no control over their choices. I have no control over their environment. I, I have none. And that's why you need to surrender and trust in God. And to understand that God loves my kids more than I have ever loved them. A zillion times more, my God loves them more. God loves your loved ones more than you ever can love them. And so you need to surrender. You need to trust. Because here's the thing. When when you deepen in your trust in God, I want to end with this sharing. The temptations that I have, they lose their power in the surrendered place. Because when I let go of all attachments, I surrender everything to God and trust in Him. It's so easy to obey Him. It's so easy to obey God when you trust Him. 
and it's so easy to love and it's so easy to care and it's easy to, to give yourself. It's so easy to, it's so easy. Can I pray and lead you into the surrendered place right now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Put your hand over your chest. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to say this prayer with me and mean it. Lord, I, I want to trust you and I want to surrender everything. I want to be in the surrendered place. Today, if, if I don't even know when you're going to call me. I don't know when I'm going to die. So I, I just want to be ready. That if you, if you will call me five minutes from now and my heart will stop beating five minutes from now and life will be over five minutes from now, I surrender all my worries, all my concerns, all my fears, all my burdens. I trust you. I trust you. I want to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.